I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rats with Modern Bankers. Welcome to Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, brought to you by RELPRO and Vertical IQ. Each week I feature top voices in financial services, from bankers and consultants to best-selling authors and many more. The goal of this program is simple, to provide insights, success practices, and to bring new ideas to the table that you can use to maximize your results. Now, if you're in marketing or leadership in financial services, my guest today, Allison Netzer, is a very familiar name. Allison is Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer of Nimbus. Allison earned a degree in business, management, and marketing from North Carolina State University. She started her technology career at Dell on the sales side, and she quickly rose through the ranks to become Global Marketing Director. I met Allison through my friend James Robert Lay, and I'm most grateful he made that introduction. Allison's name is probably familiar to you as well from her two amazing bestsellers, Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank, and her most recent book, A Year of Thinking Differently. What a fun conversation with Allison Netzer on Jack Rants with Modern Bankers. Here we go. Well, as I mentioned, James Robert Lay introduced me to uh, Allison, and I'm so proud and glad that he did. Um, uh, so glad to have you on the show, Allison. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jack. I'm excited. Well, first of all, congratulations on both books, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. But as you know, in listening to some of my other shows, um, mm -hmm. I always like to start with, tell me something good. I love the way you start these. Um Wow. It, so the weather has finally turned uh, cooler here in North Carolina where I am. So um, I'm excited about that. And I've got some of my Texas family coming in town this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to it. Outstanding. That's terrific. Uh, let, let's start with Nimbus. Uh, sure. It's a multifaceted organization. And I'm sure based on the fact that you're there, you could talk about it for a long time. But give us a sense of Nimbus and, and what you do. Sure. Yeah, I could talk about it all day. Um, I would, <laughs> so Nimbus, I would say is a, I would say we're a challenger fintech. Uh, so we provide better uh, bank in a box solutions or bank in a better box solutions for community banks and credit unions. So it's a fully functional parallel core, um, as well as the front end, the back end, and it's all delivered as a managed service. So I think it connects well with the uh, with the modern banker. Uh, I think it does as well, uh, and and certainly hope you continue to have great success with it. And when you talk about modern bankers, one of the things that uh, you did in 2022 that I read uh, is this book, your first book. Oh, yes, it's like a brand, not a bank. Um, I think it's a game changer for community bank CMOs. Talk about this book a little bit. This is a good first start. Well, you're you're very generous, so thank you for for reading it. Um, I co-wrote that book with a friend of mine, uh, Liz High, and 
It was a passion project um, about five years in the making. It didn't take us five years to write the book, but just the concept of thinking more like a brand than a bank. Um, and in that book, we cover five principles uh, to help you move to brand thinking, um, along with, I hope, uh, making the business case um, to sell the approach internally, which is very important with any kind of change management. One of the things that was in the book, and I was talking to a banker about this recently, and, and your book just came up, and we were talking, and she said, have you read the chapter or the part in the book about if a if a banker became a barista <laughs> at Starbucks? Talk about that that part of the book. That's Oh, cool. wow. Yes, that's the, the front, uh, the beginning part uh, of the principles. It's, it's one of my favorite parts. So, um. I'd like to say it was a flash of literary brilliance that brought that about, but um, Liz and I were at a writer's retreat trying to finish the book. Um, and after maybe a couple glasses of wine, we just started joking, like, what what would be the worst kind of, what would be a nightmare? What if we started this book with just, just a nightmare, right? Instead of a dream. And um, somehow we got on the topic of what if, you know, Starbucks, um, it was like going into a Starbucks and it had been taken over by a bank uh, or a banker. And so we kind of wrote it out as a um, as a skit, as an amusing way to start the book. And um, what's really interesting is several banks have done this live, like performed it as a skit live, one in front of their board. Um, and then when Liz and I were talking at a conference for Synovus Bank, we actually did the skit live with the visors and the aprons and and everything. So um, it's kind of a fun way to to start it off. Well, it, a lot's happened since you've you've written yeah. the book. Some very good and some not so good. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's one of those challenges that we have every few years as a, as bankers. I talk about when I got started in banking in 1973, um, the inflation rate was pretty high and it went to 20 and a half in 1980. Then we had the uh, SNL crisis. We had the real estate crisis. We had 2008, which was a challenge. We had uh, the pandemic, 9-11, we had the pandemic. Um, and now the earlier this year, SVB and all, all the rest of it. Talk about um, talk about the changes you're seeing in the way bankers are approaching their brand, good and bad. Sure. Well, I think a lot of those macro events and certainly the the history, right? We have kind of long memories in uh, in banking for good reason. So, you know, I've seen more positive uh, than negative. I'll say, um, and and I'd like to think in a maybe in a small way that that think like a brand out of bank is, has helped start a dialogue. And certainly the SVB situation started as well about what, what brand is the strategic value, um, why CMOs need to participate and be empowered to participate in a different way. Um, I'm seeing a lot of community FIs really blend uh, digital and physical very well. Um, example of this is Locality Bank uh, in South Florida. So they started out wanting to be digital only and actually went to physical, right? Which normally you kind of do it the, the other way around. So kind of seeing some reverse engineering. 
I also see it, and you've pointed this out a couple of times on, on LinkedIn as well, that the language banks use to engage with their customers and their communities, it's becoming simpler. We're not there yet, but it's, it's getting closer. And there are many FIs that are seeking to solve problems instead of showcasing rates. Um, great example of that, uh, Jill Castilla, what she's done with, with Roger Bank. Um, so together with Nimbus, they tackle the issue of newly enlisted service members under the age of 18 were, are required to have a joint account holder. Um, and that creates all kinds of challenges for these young men and women. So solving that issue, removing that, getting really clear on a real world problem for the customer is something that I'm seeing more and more. So those are those are the positives. The the negatives you still see, and I think they'll always be there. And for that reason, I think you and I will always have jobs. Um, is how to evolve, how to become more modern, how to become more responsive in the work that we do. Branding and marketing is a very different practice now than it was in the past. And that's a good thing. Um, but there's also a role for history. And I see a lot of banks like Umqua Bank really weave in the power of their their history, but in a really, really modern way. So I, I'm seeing more more good than bad out there. I agree. And, I, and, and one of the challenges, having been a banker since the, the 70s, is how, how do you get an industry that's kind of a dinosaur and very slow moving, <laughs> yet deregulated, to become more innovative? It's hard because we're the foundation of the economy of the country. We, right. we and other fintechs and credit unions, et cetera, have got to do this. But there are ways to be creative within your brand. And in the yes. book, you talk about WUSFAS. We stand for service. And I want to I want to ask you about that in a second. But sure. there are banks out there like um, uh, like Agility Bank down mm -hmm. in Houston, Sure. Uh, Lauren Sparks has done just a marvelous job. I think it's 60% women owned. There's a bank in uh, Georgia, Oconee State Bank. Neil Stevens, the president right. of that bank, yep. uh, has done some things, and they call it remarkable. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's actually put a studio in one of his branches where he brings prospects and clients in and interviews them for his podcast. So there's there's a lot of really good things going on. There's a, a bank up in... Um, Pennsylvania, uh, Leanne Kassab and Mary Kate Loftus have, yes. have uh, along with their teams, have launched Impressia Bank, which is a bank really focused on women. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other examples of that um, where, where people are really targeting with their with their banking. But let's go back to WUSFAS. We stand yes. for service. I've done yes. some work with them. I know a lot okay. of people there and I know it's in the book. Talk about that, what, what you put in the book about that bank. Sure. Well, uh, Justin Dunn is one of my, he's one of my favorite people, but he's definitely one of my favorite marketers and he's a, a CMO to, to watch. So in the book, um, we talk about uh, WizFiz um, and basically the, the risk that, uh, that Justin took, how he was able to sell change internally, right? He took a big swing at the fence and leaning into what the community had started referring to their bank as. Um, it wasn't the official name, 
of the bank and then tying that shorthand to their values. We stand for service. And the billboard campaign he did uh, and he and his team did around that, which was really funny, very risky, um, but it was just whiz fizz, question mark. And just, you know, kind of put it all up over the the highways and byways in his geo. And just the combination he did of making the business case to his board, making sure they understood this wasn't a campaign. This was a way of being, right? This is care and feeding of a brand has to happen. And then how he brought people into the equation. We put a, a quote from him in the book that says your most valuable brand asset walks out of your branch every night. Mm -hmm. Right. And those are your employees. So really kind of starting with the employees as the primary audience, whenever you're going to do something related to brand, because they own it. Marketing keeps the brand, but brand belongs to everyone um, and everyone has to participate. So they do a great job of that at WizFizz. They do. And and uh, a couple of bankers I know there at a pretty senior level, and I don't know if they still do this, but their, their president, when they did a strategic or action oriented plan, they would actually take it to the field and they would say, yes. OK, well, I, you know, we're, we want to develop our strategic plan. And, and I heard Peggy Eddins was telling me she I think she retired now, but um, that even one of the janitors was gave a tremendous idea to the banker, to the bank president. Then they put this all together and he does town hall meetings and he goes mm -hmm. out uh, and introduces their strategic plan, which right. is the most innovative thing I've ever done. Are they still doing that to your knowledge? Yeah, to my knowledge, they're still doing that. Um, and it's, it's a model that I'm starting to see more and more. And what you're hitting on and maybe a, a call to action for all the, the folks in your community is we know about these examples because these are FIs and these are leaders that are committed to, to building out loud right, to building in public and sharing their stories, the, the the good and the bad, right, coming on podcasts like this, posting about it. We don't know if you don't tell us, right? And so people can't take the model, embrace it, improve upon it if we're not building out loud and building in public. And so I think WizFizz does that, Umqua does that, uh, Mary-Kate, lots of, lots of the folks you mentioned we know about them, not because they're huge institutions, not because they have big paid fancy ad campaigns, but because they're out there talking about, about it and, and being very transparent. And that to me is a huge part of, of modern banking, of modern marketing is building out loud. Yeah, no doubt. And if I can rant for just one second, I recently received from the American banker the 25 most powerful women in banking magazine. It, it's oh. outstanding. One of the things I love to see from the American banker or somebody is the 25 most innovative uh, uh, financial institution marketing professionals. I mm. think we need to elevate that brand, that internal brand to get those CMOs to the C-suite because they have such a stake in this. And if they don't understand how the bank or credit union makes money, not that a credit union needs to make money, but how they grow, um, it's um, it's it's unfortunate that a lot of CMOs don't understand that. So uh, I agree. I know. I think it's I think it's a great rant. I'm I'm very fortunate um, where I work. So our CEO um, 
I'm a chief marketing and strategy officer, and that was at the behest of our of our CEO Jeffrey Kendall, who understands that marketing is a strategic function and that I have to be at that table. Now we also have to flip the coin over, right? As CMOs, we have to hold ourselves accountable to not just showing up with pictures, to not just you know talking about marketing KPIs that's a different language than what uh, what our internal audience understands. So uh, it cuts both ways, but you're absolutely right. Um, I think to take these next steps, like some of the examples you gave, um, we have to see marketing as a strategic function. No doubt. And if you're a CMO at a bank and you haven't purchased a, a think like a brand, not a bank, you need to go out and get it now. And, and. you go this get this this is and i told you this when we when we did our planning session this is the most unique book i've ever read mm. i mean there's just no question and we'll talk about the 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 guts of it and and how it's all laid out but talk about the inspiration for a year of thinking differently it's phenomenal well thank you so much for that i really I, seriously i'm very humbled um to hear you say that especially being an author yourself. Uh, I would say in February of 2022, um, I started a weekly newsletter on LinkedIn called the Friday Frame Up. And it was really a way to force myself out of a creative rut that I was going through um, at work. So I was doing all the, trying to do all the things we all do. I was like, I'm going to read more, uh, looking for things outside of the day-to-day -day for inspiration. Um but I really wanted to make myself accountable uh, to try new things. So again, building out loud. Um, so after a, a little over a year of writing the Friday frame up, I realized a newsletter was a terrible format for this content. So as a marketer, I had completely violated what was the best uh, format for the content because I couldn't go back and find anything. I couldn't make notes easily. Um, so I, I turned it into a book and it, uh, and, and added quite a bit to it, but it, it seems to be a much better format, um, at least for me to use. Well, it, it's, it's outstanding. And I'll let you describe the, the, the book and how you all put it, put it together, but 51 chapters, um, uh, each chapter starts with a quote from a book. So you reference a book, um, Work me through a chapter because they're all laid out about the same. And I, and I told you, this is this is a, a training manual. I really, mm. this it could be a training manual. It's a field book. So walk us through the chapters and how they're laid out. Sure. Well, first, I know when we say 51 chapters, it sounds like I've rewritten the Bible. It is, it is, it is a short book. Uh, they're very short, uh, short chapters, but um, they each have the the same sections, like you mentioned. So the first section uh, I call reading for perspective. Um, and so from a book that I have read, I try to take some insights, um, certainly summarize the book briefly if, if someone cares to read the whole thing, uh, the whole book, but then try to take the wisdom of that. And they're not all business books. And see if there's something we can get out of it, something we can twist or turn or frame up to apply it to some of the common challenges um, that we all face um, at work. Once you have that perspective, right? So you're kind of, a book is sort of like living in someone else's world or, or borrowing their perspective. Then the next section is looking for inspiration. So in my mind, you have 
you have a broadened perspective and now you need to kind of go find something to to fire you up right and so whether it's nature or art or music just trying to bring something in that's related um that is easy to replicate or you can just take what i observed and then committing to change right making a change and that's where i know you like a lot of the uh, the hands-on exercises so there's a hands-on exercise in every chapter that kind of blends those things together how do you go make it real um and then the last section of every chapter is the outro where i try to add a little something a little push um a little encouragement to to go out and try try this new mindset it may or may not work for you but it's it's kind of worth trying on and and seeing if you like it um and kind of go from there so same same process um that way to your point um you can read the whole thing through you can do a chapter a week you can open it randomly and find some perspective for whatever you're facing um the hope is that it remains a reference and and gets covered in pencil and sticky notes yeah, which which I've done. And, and one Sunday, um, and this has a lot to do with you and a lot to do with the Chicago Bears. Um, I just turned the Bears game off. I mean, first of all, they suck. But, but um, um, I just turned this off. And my wife said, you turned the Bears game off and you're reading the book? What What's wrong with you? What's your problem? <laughs> And I just, I had to get through the whole thing. So you you mentioned uh, a number of things in the chapters and just a couple of real quick things, because you got to buy the book. Um, one of the things you talk about is perhaps, and managers might have a little apoplexy over this, is maybe cancel a meeting. Yeah. And you cancel a meeting, a regular meeting, but don't don't let them go off and check emails have them, and maybe you even assign a mm -hmm. podcast or something different that they can look at because you want them to be thinking differently. That that was a terrific idea. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, and no, this is this is one of uh, one of people's favorites that I've I've heard. And um, in my research, I actually found some some great supporting content. Um, there's a, a professor named Cassie Holmes at um, at the Anderson School of Business uh, at UCLA. And she also um, contributes to the Hidden Brain podcast on how this habit kind of makes us become happier. So it's not about telling your team or yourself, hey, I've got 15 minutes of time between this and this. Let me, you know, listen to a podcast on 10x so I can become 10x more productive. It's not this is not a productivity hack uh, book and this is not a productivity hack exercise. It's intentionally saying, you know what? I know Jack, you and I meet every two weeks. Let's go ahead and cancel the next one coming up. And during that time, I'm going to listen to a podcast. You're going to listen to a podcast. And the next time we get together, we're going to talk about that podcast or how that podcast can relate to whatever the challenges that you and I are working on or the project are working on. Um, so you can assign it. It can be a podcast, it can be anything, but it's that action as a leader of saying, you know what, we're going to break out of the routine. We're going to do something new, both of us, and we're going to use that new thing to enhance our routine work. There's something very freeing about that as a leader. There's something very freeing about that is the person who reports to that leader and it starts to build into that culture slowly and not in a big change way 
to look outside of the day-to-day to make the day-to-day better. It's, it's outstanding. Uh, one other thing I really liked in the book, and you talk about exercises, mm-hmm. you talk about five steps to effort and effectiveness. Mm. Um, give us give us an overview of that. I was I was very fascinated by that five steps. Yeah, well, I am too, and I and I will not uh, take full credit for it. Uh, it was inspired by um, Paul Bloom's book. It's called The Sweet Spot, and one of the things he says in in that book is the relationship between meaning and effort is not universal. And that hit me pretty hard, right? So if I, if you're my manager, your meaning and understanding of effort may not be the same as mine. And I think we all, we all know that to be true. So it's a very simple exercise, but it's, it's to write down all of the tasks that you do in your job. Then you sort them by importance So that's kind of over here on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side, you you stack rank them by importance or significance to you. And what's interesting about that, just even visually, is you start to see patterns and gaps, right? The things that are the hardest aren't always the most significant and vice versa. So from there, you make changes and it's not, it's not swinging from one end to the other, right? Where I'm only going to do things that are significant to me, right? That's probably not going to work out too well for you. But if you only do, you know, the the low effort things or just the high effort things without the meaning, you're going to burn out. So it's really about having a balance to create meaningful and sustainable work. So very simple exercise you can do um, anytime you're sort of, battling with prioritization or you just feel like you're that sort of sense like am I really working on the right things know what those things are know what buckets they're in and that's very liberating it's okay to spend an hour doing low significance work if you know that's what you're doing Um, and then it's super illuminating super gratifying to spend an hour doing high significance work it's about labeling what that kind of work is and just intentionally knowing what you're going in and doing. Fascinating. And and if you're going to be effective at the effort, one of the things you can do is to get organized. And yeah. you talk about organizing based on the task at hand. My wife was interested in this chapter mm. because in my office here in the world headquarters, uh, I'm not as organized as she would probably like. Uh, talk about organizing for the task at hand. That's a little different. It is a little different. It does not mean it is not a Marie Kondo like be, you know, be organized or or be zen um all the time. Uh, even though I like that and I think that might be what your what your wife <laughs> why she's interested in this chapter. Um but it it starts by seeing your workspace much the same way as, as we see our computers, right? You remember we used to call our laptops or our, our desktops, we used to call them workstations. You remember? Mm-hmm. So, you know, opening the right tabs, closing distractions, getting the files together for a project. We spend a lot of time, if you think about it, sort of organizing this this piece of glass between us when you're going into a project. And and just like you wouldn't dive into a project without the right apps, you know, applications open or 
um, having the right files, you should do the same thing with your, with your physical space. So it's not about dusting or organizing. It's about taking the power of the entire space in service of the project you're working on. So it's really about the outcome, not about the organization. So if you're doing a history of your life, Jack, <laughs> that's a lot of life that you've lived. Your space would not look like this if you were going to do that project, right? It would be intentionally messy. You would have boxes of papers and pictures. You would have all sorts of stuff around and that's good, right? That is taking your entire workspace in service of the project you're working on, not just making it the glass, right? Um, Austin Kleon is one of my favorite authors and, and he has a, an analog desk and a digital desk. And when I'm in my office, which this is not, this is where I do, <laughs> where I do podcasts, um, I do the same thing. Uh, left side of my desk is analog right side is digital. So I'm not constantly redecorating every day. I just literally am turning in my chair, depending on what I'm working on. And so again, the point of that is you've got all these resources around you, not just in your screen. So bring everything to bear um, for a better outcome. That's very cool. There's, there's two things that I look for in every book that I read. Number one, can I use it? Mm. Easy, no problem. The second thing I look at is if it's a sales-related or a performance-related book, something like what you have written, I always look for a little nugget of coaching. And one of the things that I loved, and it, it hearkened me back to one of my favorite all-time books, The Heart of Coaching, and you mm. reference that in, in this book. How, how did that come about? Oh, wow. Yeah, The Heart of Coaching um, is is an incredible, incredible book and, and also an incredible podcast series. Um, I came across it uh, actually listening to a podcast when, when I had canceled a meeting um, because one of the things I, I realized is all of this that, that we're kind of, you know, talking about today, these are all changes. These are all exercises. You're going to find something that really, really resonates with you, like, you know, a particular chapter, a particular quote. And I want you to be excited about it. And I want you to ingest it. And I want you to use it in your life. But I also want you to be able to coach others on whether it's that mindset or just the fact that you can try on different mindsets, like you try on different clothes. And so how you really get into making this a scalable practice and making it part of your internal culture, making it part of your team's culture. And you can't do that by requiring, you can do that through coaching and really getting at, again, the, the heart um, of the matter and a lot of what we're trying to do. Outstanding. So you've got 51 exercises. Maybe not every chapter has one, but well, you've got a lot of exercises in the book. You have to have one that's your favorite. Oh what? my. <laughs> that yeah, well, you would hope. Um, I and again, these are simple exercises. So I don't even like, oh my God, I'm not gonna read this book. 51 exercises. <laughs> uh, they're very simple exercises. Um, so I do have a favorite exercise. Um 
in the book. It's actually on on page 94 um, and it's called Sing Your Song. So and it doesn't it doesn't actually involve singing. So I'm not going to be singing on, on the podcast, but it's a it's a two part exercise. I think it's very interesting. So you, you choose an upcoming presentation or like a podcast like what we're doing. And rather than preparing your talking points like you would normally do, you approach it like you're composing a song. And in the book, I actually put the the structure of, of songwriting and, and what kind of makes a good song. So, and you talked about the backbeat of, of the chapter. So you, you establish the rhythm or the pattern you want your audience to remember, right? That's your, that's your intro. You know, we're taught to, you know, here's my one big idea. Or if you remember one thing from my presentation, that's your chorus, right? Something catchy and repeatable. And then you've got to bridge it. And this is the part we normally forget, right? Connecting the dots at the end instead of ending the presentation with a, you know, a slide that says questions. Um, <laughs> you would never end a song, you know, just stopping the song, right? If you think about your favorite songs, uh, usually the end is the chorus and then um, kind of a connecting of the dots of the song. So that's that's the bridge. And then the second part of the exercise is to pretend the presentation is actually for you, that you're your own audience. Um, and that's pretty wild uh, to, to see the difference in a presentation if it's for you as opposed to the amorphous audience um, somewhere. So it's it's about singing your own song and being you. You know, PowerPoint presentations are a very sort of artificial structure. So how can you really be true and authentic to yourself um, in the way you actually structure the presentation? That's that's outstanding. Well, let I have a couple more questions. Sure. So you be you, uh, and you're you go out and buy your book. Mm. Um, and you look at it and you go, this is really good. I can't do it all. I can't mm. swallow the ocean. Talk to me about where I should start here. What, what, yes. what can I do differently every day? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, so as if it were me, right. So the, the landscape that we all work in is, is very complex. Um, but like you mentioned at the beginning, so much opportunity for innovation, and out of the box thinking, it can be exciting, but it can be uh, overwhelming. So, I think there's a couple small things. I think um, even if you don't read the book, let's just even pretend you don't read the book, even though I'd love it if you would. Um, before diving into your daily tasks, if you take five minutes or two minutes, whatever, however many minutes you can spare, to reevaluate a current strategy to a persistent problem and just apply a different mindset. So for example, I have a finance review coming up in a couple of hours. And normally I would just go in, listen to the content. I'm a CMO. I'm, you know, I'm not a, not a finance person. I would just sort of listen and take notes as we talk about our, our 2024 budget and some of the challenges um, just we're all facing in the macro environment. So what I'm going to actually do instead is I'm going to borrow a different mindset for that meeting. And I'm actually going to literally pretend to be our chief compliance and risk officer. And I'm going to listen to it from that lens. I'm going to ask questions from that lens. 
one, I think it could be beneficial to the group because it could be a different spin, a different thing they haven't thought of because I am not a compliance and risk officer, but also quite frankly, it'll keep me more engaged in something that is important, but is not in my nature to be passionate about. Um, so that's something that you can just do today. Just pick any old meeting on your calendar, pretend to have a different mindset or be a different person um, going into that meeting. I think, yeah, I think just the second one, if I could throw in there is, um, is, <laughs> is read. So in a, you know, we're an industry, like you said, where it's, you know, kind of old school. We're all, we're often accused of, of homogeneity. So bringing in perspectives from outside of banking, don't use the excuse. We're a highly regulated industry. Every, every industry is regulated from food service all the way through. So, you know, look at technology, look at design, look at other service industries and really pull from there. Don't just read banking books or business books, read children's books, read something um, and bring that into your thinking. Outstanding. And, and that, that is going to be my last question to you. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, James Robert Lay introduced me to you. I know you're a fan of Eric Cook. Mm. Who else, if I'm a bank CMO, who else should I be reading, following in my industry or outside my industry to help me get better as a CMO? Oh, wow. Well, they could definitely listen to this podcast. I, <laughs> I think that that would be very beneficial since I've been uh, I'm a new a new convert. Um, I think it's it's not so much the 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 people I follow or or where I look. Uh, not to get too philosophical, it's it's that I'm looking, right? Is that I'm finding. I'm a I'm a big fan of um, Tiago Forte wrote building a second brain, and I actually talked a little bit about that last week on the Friday frame up of just going through and just just pulling um, from just different places. Um, I think specifically, if you're not um, in or on Substack, um, that's a lot of medium form content that um, that's out there that has a ton about creativity and creative thinking. Um, I look at Forte Labs, Tiago Forte's um, website. So I think CMOs could get a lot out of that. But then also follow a lot and read a lot about design, the art of design. One, so I can speak more credibly to the people that work for me um, and the work that they do. But also, it, this is a creative field. When you get to CMO, you don't always get to practice the creativity that you used to be able to do. And I challenge that. So I think um, looking at that, Heart of Coaching, Michael Baumgartner, um, there's just a lot of it out there. Um, I actually send my reading list and um, the the notes that I take, uh, I send that out every Sunday. Um, and so that might also be something that's helpful. It's kind of a, a wide range of, of stuff. Well, that brings us to our last question. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned the Friday frame up the blog mm -hmm. of the podcast, et cetera. And uh, now I'm, now I'm intrigued. I'm a CMO and I got to talk to you. Uh, okay. how, how do I get on the, the Friday frame up blog podcast and how do I get a hold of you? All the things. Well, I would, I would be delighted. Um, I am also old, so I'm only on LinkedIn. 
<laughs> so I'm not on all the things. Uh, I know that's kind of, you know, hypocritical, but I just can't. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and then on my website, uh, which is just my name, allisonnetzer.com. I just have links to all of these um, things if folks are interested. Outstanding. And speaking of outstanding, this is an intriguing book. You have to read this book. If you're a CMO, if you're a CEO, uh, if you're an entrepreneur, there's something for everybody in this book. Allison Netzer, thank you very much for your kindness of your time and your expertise. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers with Allison Netzer. This and every program is brought to you by our friends at Vertical IQ and RollPro. Join us next time for more special guests bringing you marketing, sales, and leadership insights, as well as ideas that will provide your bank or credit union that competitive edge you need to succeed. This and every LinkedIn Live show is also a podcast. Subscribe and get the latest editions of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, and don't forget to leave us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and others. Also, don't forget to visit our website, themodernbanker.com, for more information. Please sign up for our free public library at themodernbanker.com slash public library. And as I say at the end of every show, make today and every day a great client day.